Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 1964 film, Mary Poppins. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. (laughs) So I just want to say, winds in the east, mist coming in, there's something a-brewing about to begin. Can't put me finger on what lies in store, but I feel what's to happen all happen before. Now, can should I do it like Dick Van Dyke, do you think? or, or uh... Winds from the east. Yeah. Mist coming in. Yeah. Like something's a-brewing about to begin. <laughs> Can't put me finger on what lies in store, but I feel what's to happen all happened before. There you go. Alright, and Mary Poppins is a 1964 American musical fantasy film directed by Robert Stevenson, produced by Walt Disney, with songs and music written and composed by the Sherman Brothers, Richard M. Sherman and Robert P. Sherman. The screenplay is by Bill Walsh and Don DeGrady. It is based on the P.L. Travers uh, book series, Mary Poppins. It is edited by Cotton Warburton. uh, Production company is Walt Disney Productions. It is distributed by Buena Vista Distribution Company Incorporated and has a runtime of 139 minutes. Sorry, I saw pumpkin. I saw saw him out of the corner of my eye. I know. I was like, our producer returns. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He said Mary Poppins. I liked the Mary Poppins. And he decided to pop in. It's because I said it. The wind's niece, he is. (laughs) Yeah. The wind's niece, he came. And when the winds start coming from the west, then he'll leave. Um, The film, which combines live action and animation, stars Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins in her feature film debut, who visits a a dysfunctional family in London and employs her unique brand of lifestyle to improve the family's dynamic. The film also stars Karen Deutrice as Jane Banks, Matthew Garber as Michael Banks, Hermione Badui as uh, Ellen the Maid, Elsa Lanca- uh, Lanchester as Katie Nana, uh, Arthur Treacher as Constable Jones, which I loved him in this movie. <laughs> he cracked me up every scene that he was in. Uh, Reginald Owen as Admiral Boom, Ed Wynn as, U- as Uncle Albert, Jane Darwell as the Bird Woman, Dick Van Dyke as both Bert and Mr. Dawes Sr., and David Tomlinson as Mr. George Banks, and Glynis Johns as Mrs. Winifred Banks. The film was shot entirely on the Walt Disney Studios, or at the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California, using painted London background scenes. Mary Poppins was released on August 27, 1964, to critical acclaim and commercial success. It became the highest-grossing film of 1964, and, at the time of of its release, was Disney's highest-grossing film ever. Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music, Goldfinger, and My Fair Lady were the four big box office successes that year. And it's just interesting, Mary Poppins was number one and The Sound of Music was number two, also starring Julie Andrews. Fascinating. Yeah, it's really how, how good she was in this movie for it being her first movie. Like, I know she had theater work and everything like that, but... It's a different style of acting, and I, I just think she's fantastic in this. The budget for the film was estimated between $4.4 and $6 million. I couldn't get an exact figure. 
So in today's money, that would be four, between 42 and 57.4 million. And the box office was 103.1 million, or in today's money, 985.5 million. It, is, it received a total of 13 Academy Awards nom- nominations, including Best Picture, a record for any film released by Walt Disney Studios, and it won five of them. Best Actress for Andrews, Best Film Editing, Best Original musical, uh, Music Score, Best Visual Effects, and Best Song for Chim Chim Cheri. And it lost Best Picture to My Fair Lady, which that's also a good movie. Um, maybe we'll check that. It's not a Disney movie, but maybe we'll check it out at some point. It's a very good movie. You can do a subsection of things Ashley has not seen. Yeah. Uh, spoilers, I have never watched Mary Poppins before, so oh. this is my first time watching it. That's so right. We should, I, should I have them. very critical thoughts here. Oh, oh boy. All right, well, <laughs> focus, focus all over again. Let's, let's move on. Keep going. <laughs> Mary Poppins is considered Walt Disney's crowning live-action achievement and is the only one of his films which earned a Best Picture nomination during his lifetime. The film was released in the early 80s on VHS and Laserdisc in 1994, 1997, and 1999. It was re-released three times as part of Walt Disney's Masterpiece Collection. In 1998, it became Disney's first DVD. In 2000, it was released on VHS and DVD as part of the Gold Classic Collection. In 2004, it had a two-disc DVD release in a digitally restored 40th anniversary edition. On January 27th, 2009, it was released on DVD again for the 45th anniversary edition, with more language tracks and special features. A 50th anniversary edition Blu-ray was released on December or in December of 2013. In 2006, the film was ranked number six on the American Film Institute's best uh, list of best musicals. It also had one of the larger parts of the Great Movie Ride, an attraction at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World Resort, having both a poster in the quote-unquote lobby of the quote-unquote theater, the station, and a scene with an animatronic Mary and Bert. R.I.P. Great Movie Ride. <laughs> In 2013, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. A biographical drama on the making of the film, Saving Mr. Banks, was released on October 20th, 2013. Also a great film. Maybe we'll check. I have seen that one. (laughs) Yeah, we'll check that out at some point. And a sequel, Mary Poppins Returns, was released on December 19th, 2018. An okay film. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have that. not seen okay. that either. Yeah, Again, it, I did not watch this, so yeah. I had no reason to watch Mary Poppins. Okay. The coolest part of Mary Poppins Returns to me was um, Dick Van Dyke's in it, and he does a dancing scene, and he's like 98 years old, and I was like, oh, okay, so they put his head on someone else's body, and I looked at, I watched a making of it afterwards, and no, it's really him doing this dancing scene where his legs are like flying all around and stuff and it was like wow dick van dyke you are amazing you are a national treasure protect dick van dyke at all costs i don't know if he's still alive actually i'm pretty Uh, sure he is actually i will look that up while you continue (laughs) okay and the premiere happened in los angeles on august 27th 1964 and then again in new york city on september 24th 1964 
Nope, still alive. Still alive? Does it say how old he is? 96 years old. 96 years old. Okay, so that came out, what, uh, five years, four years ago? So he was 92 at the time, and he does this amazing dance scene in it that I didn't believe it was him. I just thought they put his head on someone else's body. And then I watched the making of it, and no, it was really him. Because he's up on top of this desk, and it was just like, oh my god. Like, he's so happy, too. Look at these, like, recent yeah. photos of this man. Yeah. Like, he's the new Betty White. He needs to be protected at all costs. Ah, uh, he's um, gonna die just before reaching 102. Don't tell me that. No. Um, either him or Mel Brooks are the new Betty White, in my opinion. They need to be protected at all costs. But let's dive into the plot. The title card, a pan across a foggy 1910 London featuring the overtune music. And I wrote down right from the start, I feel like this movie is something different from what we've seen from Disney Studios before. The song is the overture. It is an orchestral melody of several of the songs from the film, including Feed the Birds, A Spoonful of Sugar, Chim Chim Cheri, and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And I wrote down that it is an excellent way to open the film, and I give it an 8 out of 10. Wow. Okay. So, spoilers to everyone. I don't like musicals very much. We'll we'll get into that later. We're going to be fighting by the end (laughs) of this. We're going to be fighting. Um, But uh, you don't like musicals, yet you also want... um, What's it to come back? We both want it to come back. Um, The Night musical. The guy that was the night. um, We want it to be on Disney+. Plus. Yes, that I liked. I notoriously do not like musicals, but, uh, Gallivant. Gallivant, yeah. Gallivant was good, though. That was good comedy. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, I appreciate that, and I'm learning a lot because I like things like Hamilton and Six, which just makes me think I like modern stuff when it comes to musicals, because I have no interest. Like, when people mention, it's going very off-tangent, but, like, when people mention, like, oh, have you not seen Rent? I'm like... I've heard people play Rent songs, and I have literally no interest. No offense. It does It does not suit me. And I understand it's a very, like, people love that. I know I'm going to watch it and not like it. So there's no point to me watching it. I'm going to say something controversial. Rent is overhyped. <laughs> it's not that good. Uh, like, I, it, I think if I had seen it on... I, I saw the movie first. Mm-hmm. And I think if I had seen a stage production of it, I might have liked it more. But I saw the movie, which it's got the same music and everything, and, I, and it brought back most of the original cast. And I was just like, so it's about these jerks that don't want to pay their rent. Like, I was like, these are supposed to be our protagonists that we like. Oh, and they all have AIDS? Like, what the hell? Like, what? This is depressing. <laughs> like, I, I, But, you know, if you, yeah, like, if you I, like it, you like but it. I feel whatever. like if that's your, like, thing and you like the music, you'll love it. But I know people that have told me, like, oh, you like it? I'm like, nothing about this appeals to me, music-wise, plot-wise. Well... I'm like, you might think I might like it, but you do not know me. Trust me. I am the type of person that will watch a comedy movie and not laugh because I don't think it's funny. Mm. So I well, have very peculiar tastes, and it that will not fit in. And Well, two things. One, I like musicals because I spent most of my adolescence going into New York every weekend to go see a musical with my mother. And two, I think, you know, hashtag Daredevil was out there and save hashtag save Daredevil. There's gonna be a new Daredevil season on Disney Plus. I think we need to start a hashtag save Gallivant and get get a new season of Gallivant on Disney Plus. Just end it. Like we were so we were gonna get a good ending and then it never happened. Yeah, we we need we need Gallivant to come back. 
uh, six seasons in a movie, I say, but that's that's a community I'll joke. I'll take at least <laughs> one more season. Yeah, one more season to wrap it up, please. But diving back into Mary Poppins. At the beginning of the movie, Mary touches up her makeup as she perches on a cloud above a 1910 London. The action then descends uh, to Earth, where Bert, a cockney jack-of-all-trades, introduces the audience to the Banks family, a well-to-do but troubled family headed by the rather cold and aloof George and his loving but highly distracted wife, Winifred. And we have the song Street Performance, and it is a few bars of Jolly Holiday, followed up by Step in Time, and it's played by Dick, or it's sung by Dick Van Dyke and his one-man band, Gear. And I wrote down that I love Dick Van Dyke so much. He is truly a national treasure. All that being said, and we're not breaking any news here, his accent is infamous. I say infamous because despite how terrible it is, it is equally as iconic. All that being said, this little song gets an 8 out of 10 from me. I really like the scene. More, The only thing that confused me was, you know, Bert talking to us. Because mm. I wasn't prepared for that and was like, oh, is he addressing us? Like, we're here? That's weird. Okay. I also gave it an 8 out of 10, though. So okay. I'll agree with you here. The Banks' latest nanny, Katie Nanny, has just quit out of exasperation at the indiscipline of their children, Jane and Michael, a fact that Winifred only belatedly becomes aware of due to her ongoing preoccupation with the suffragette rallies. And we have the song here, Sister Suffragette, sung by Gilness Johns, Pirani Badley, and Rita Shaw, with, a non, with non-singing interruptions by Elsa Lanchester. And I wrote down that who would have thought that this song could be a rallying cry nearly 50 years after the film's release. I give it a 6 out of 10. It's an average song, but could be used by women today. I also give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed some of the lyrics. I didn't really enjoy the song overall, but I'll give the lyrics their due. Okay. Um, and I also wrote down that I love how the Banks family has become use, has become so used to the Admiral's shooting of the cannon that they know where to stand to catch the objects in their house as they fall. Their next-door neighbor, the Admiral, likes to shoot off a cannon every hour on the hour. I literally hated that. Like, it bugged me so much, because I'm like, but why? Yeah. Why? And then everybody moving all the objects from falling off the wall, I'm like, why do you all put up with this? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, that's the problem. Is it was ludicrous, and I didn't understand it. Well, I've I've never read the uh, Mary Poppins book series, but I don't imagine that was from this. Like, I imagine this was a, a Disney thing that they added for humor. I hate it. Um, I hate it. But upon learning of the situation, George decides to take a personal hand in the hiring of a replacement nanny and insists on a stern authoritarian type to control Jane and Michael. And the song here is The Life I Lead, sung by David uh, Tomlinson. And I wrote that it is a great introduction of the character or to the character of George Banks and his current values and worldview, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Mm, no. You're not going to like my score. Go ahead. 3 out of 10. I did not like it, though. I, I was mostly just put off by George Banks as a character in general. Mm. And, like, cool, so you're a useless man who has no clue what's going on in his household at all, and, like, mostly just annoyed that he was, like, singing and doing all sorts of stuff, and I'm like... There are things going on. And, like, he literally let the nanny just get into a car and didn't say anything. Like, so, like, not caring. Like, I... 
flabbergasted. You're, you're very bothered by this. Um, I tell you, I didn't like this. Yeah. I didn't like it. Wasn't um? It, I told you, George doesn't. We'll, we'll get to it. In okay. Minute. All right. All right. Um, I also wrote down that I cracked up at George being on the phone with the police department when the constable arrives with his children, and he thanked them for their prompt that service. That was funny. Yeah. That's, that's what I'll give that team. It was funny. Yeah. And I also wrote that the constable mocking George for his sternness also cracked me up. Like, I, I just found that, that uh, police officer character to be very funny in the film. However, the children take it upon themselves to draft an advertisement for a fun person who would not be a tyrant. George rejects their proposal, tears up their ad, and throws the pieces into the fireplace. They magically fly up the chimney for Mary to piece together and read. And we have here the song The Perfect Nanny, sung by Karen Dortrice, Matthew Garber, and David Thomason. And it's the same music as The Life I Lead, and is well sung by them. I, or it, it's well sung by David Thomason, I wrote. Six out of ten. Three out of ten. Yeah. I still felt the same way. Like, Well, it's also the, the child actors, nothing against them because they were children, but there was very clearly ADR done to match their voices. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, there's parts where their lips aren't moving, but they're singing. And it was just like, oh, that's yeah, a little mistake there. I but, really like it. Yeah. But the next day, there is a long line of old and thoroughly disagreeable, in Jane and Michael's opinion, nanny candidates waiting at the bank's door. However, a strong gust of wind literally blows them away while Mary flies down with her umbrella to apply. <clears throat> the scene was hilarious to me, watching them all the day. But yeah. also, I just... How many nannies can there possibly be in this town? They're all waiting outside this door. Well, it's Mr. Banks that works for the bank and oh everything. You know, it's going to be you know, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> but it, the interview with George goes quickly. When he is stunned to see that she has responded to Jane and Michael's ad, rather than his own, despite the fact that he destroyed it. As he tries to fathom the mystery, she hires herself and begins work. And I just wrote that Julie Andrews is perfect in this role. Um, she really is. Like she, I, I think she's just absolutely... This, this might be the most perfect Disney casting at this point, uh, in my opinion. Jane and Michael face surprises of their own as they discover that Mary's method of arrival is only the beginning of her magical talents. With songs and magic, numerous, wondrously impossible things happen, starting with her bottomless carpet bag and her making the nursery tidy itself to the tune of a spoonful of sugar. And I wrote down that I love how Mary's bag has spawned uh, theories about her true origins. Some people say that she's a time lady from Doctor Who or a witch from the Harry Potter series. Because she just has this I've seen bottomless before, bag, yeah. yeah. And I also wrote down that I use a tape the I use the tape measure joke of practically perfect in every way on myself whenever I happen to use a tape measure. You what? I, I, yeah, I always go. I gotta make sure it's the same thing as when you have a stud finder. You hold it up to yourself and you beep and you go, "Yep, they found the stud." But I get the tape measure and I measure and I go, oh, "Practically perfect in every way. <laughs> it's, it's accurate." Um, I'm leaving. Putting this podcast <laughs> yet again <laughs> a million times. And then we have the song "A Spoonful of uh, Sugar" sung by Julie Andrews, and I wrote that it's possibly one of the top ten Disney songs of all time, maybe question mark, and certainly the most iconic song from this film, in my opinion. Everyone knows this song, even if you've never seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, and and Julie Andrews uh, truly was an incredible singer. Ten out of ten. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh-huh. I don't really give things 10 out of 10 very often. And also, like, I like this song, but I 
would make my top ten definitely. But also, I don't have that kind of nostalgia for this mm-hmm. the same way. Well, I have a piece of trivia here that the 2004 DVD uh, release reveals that Andrews also performed the birds whistling during the number. Oh, fascinating. And the magic continues with a wondrous outing that begins by literally jumping into a chalk pavement drawing with Bert, and later having tea while suspended in midair with Mary's joking Uncle Albert, who floats uncontrollably whenever he laughs. Now that was a very brief summary of the two scenes, which... The chalk scene is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. It's the one I remembered most from my childhood and everything. But we have a quite—I have quite a few notes here. We have the song uh, "Sombre Las Olas," and it is hummed and danced uh, danced to by Dick Van Dyke. And it's not really a song, but I gave it a seven out of ten. It's, it's just when he's drawing the chalk and yeah. he's dancing around and everything. And then we have the chalk drawing segment is what I remembered most clearly about this movie. I literally just said that. And the song Jolly Holiday that is sung by Dick Van Dyke Julie, and Julie Andrews with Thrall, Ravenscroft, Marnie Nixon, Paul F- uh, Fries, and others. And I wrote down that the song, the animation, and Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews, when I think of live action slash animated Disney films, this is what comes to my mind. People may disagree with me, but I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. See, I liked the segment. I didn't like the song, though. So 5 mm. out of 10 for the song. Okay. Because I didn't, didn't like it. We're definitely fighting after the recording. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um. We're not friends for the next week. My, you know what? You do quit this podcast. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> That's the, the, uh, the penguins are hilarious. I, uh, the way that Dick Van Dyke danced around with them, uh, danced around with them is amazing, and I just think of how much work went into this. It was made, it was made to look believable in 1964, and in previous episodes we've discussed how some of the acting in the Star Wars prequels was stunted because the actors didn't know how to interact with the CGI characters and everything, and that was made 30 years after this. Like it's just amazing to me how well done. No, it's definitely done. well done. Again, I appreciate the scene, mm-hmm. like. The scene itself and mm. everything going on and i also wrote down that i love how the horses and the fox hunt scene also speak like they talk with their hunters and everything but here's 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 a criticism i have how did mary poppins win the horse race she wasn't there for the beginning of the race and she just showed up at the end and they gave it to her because she's mary poppins because she's mary poppins. also because Brent's in love with her that's yeah. why and here we have the song. Also, I stand them. Stand. Oh, yeah. The very cute stand, couple. Stand them together. Yeah. Um, and here we have the song Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, sung by Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, with J. Pat O'Malley and others. And I wrote down that if a spoonful of sugar isn't the most iconic song from this movie, then this one is. And once again, no pun intended, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke are just amazing. Practically perfect in every way. And I gave it a 10 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Okay. It's not, it's really not one of my favorite songs, but like, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. I have to give it points for that. And then I wrote that the chalk melting away because of the rain. Genius. Like, I just thought that was a cute idea that they had. And the medicine that, uh, here's a question for you. The medicine that Mary gives the children, given that it's 1910, it's got to be some sort of mixture of alcohol and cocaine, right? <laughs> like, that's... Didn't even think about yeah. that, but you're probably right. Well, because even when she takes her spoonful of it and she's like, mmm, punch rum, and then she hiccups, like, there's definitely alcohol in there for one. Now, they do go off to bed afterwards, so probably not cocaine, but 
I would imagine maybe just some small traces of cocaine because that's what they had for medicine back then. Alcohol, cocaine, and heroin. There you go. And we have the song Stay Awake, sung by Julie Andrews. And I I have a note for you saying, Ashley, would you be so kind as to FaceTime and sing this lullaby to me every night to help me fall asleep? No. Wow. I gave it an 8 out of 10. It's not that iconic, but Julie Andrews' voice is fantastic. Yeah, I like to sing here. So, 8 out of 10. Okay. I wrote down that Mary Poppins can communicate with dogs. And I'm leaning towards the time lady theory because of this. Like, she communicates with the dog, tells her that something's wrong with her uncle, and she can, yep. she can talk to him. And here we have the song, I Love to Laugh, sung by Dick Van Dyke, Julie Andrews, and Ed Wynn. And I wrote down that this is probably the most dated segment, in my opinion. It feels like a 1960s Disney scene, and Ed Wynn in it uh, makes me think of the Mad Hatter. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. Yeah, I did not like it at all. Okay. 4 out of 10, it was. I didn't like the scene, like, period. Like, everything about it just kind of made me, uh, nope. Okay. George grows increasingly uncomfortable with Jane and Michael's stories of their adventures and how they are enchanted by Mary. However, she effortlessly inverts his attempted dismissal of her and services into a plan to take them with him to the bank where he works. And we have the song, A British Bank, sung by David Tomlinson and uh, with Julie Andrews. And I wrote that it is a simple song to move the plot along, but I enjoyed it. 7 out of 10. 3 out of 10. I did not wow. like it at all. Wow. 3. I, I know. Okay. And I tell you, I'm not a musical person. Do, do I don't... you not like Mr. Banks because uh, David Tomlinson is a villain in a bunch of other Disney movies? No. Okay. I, here's the thing is, I can't even, like, think... I'm not one of those people that recognize his actors, so, mm. like, I don't even recognize him from anything. Like, on the immediate. Like, I, I think Julie he's... Andrews, I know, because yeah. to me, like, she's iconic enough that I, like, recognize her right away. Mm. But, no. I couldn't tell you things that David Tomlinson is off the top of my head. Like, I literally have to point them out and I'd be like, oh, maybe. I think he's the villain from the original Pete's Dragon movie. Mm. Um, I might be wrong in that. It might have been a different actor. But I know he's been the villain in other Disney films. Unfortunately, the occasion takes a, dis- a disastrous turn when Mr. Banks' extremely elderly boss, Mr. Dawes Sr., personally tries to persuade Michael to invest, invest his tuppence which he intends to use to buy food from a local bird woman to the point of stealing it out of his hand. Um, which, I don't know I don't know British money at all, because it's ridiculous. I don't know what a tuppence is. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's probably akin to a, pen, a penny or something like that. I, I really don't know. But we have the song Feed the Birds, Tuppence a Bag, and it is sung by Julie Andrews, and this is uh, Walt Disney's favorite song from the score, and the lead-off melody in the overture. I wrote down that I don't care for the opening lines of this song, but the chorus is iconic. And yes, I'm going to keep overusing that word. 7 out of 10. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm giving both of these songs a 4 out of 10 oh. that we're doing here. I just I don't like them. I don't, oh. I don't like the music that goes along with them either. Like, there's nothing about it that makes me like, yay. Like, Julie Andrews singing doesn't save music that doesn't like speak to me at all like we are gonna have very different overall scores we are definitely gonna have very different overall scores boy i can't wait till we get to some movie that you love that i can't stand (laughs) i I mean we've already kind of done that with three caballeros no it was fine let's get back to it (laughs) the next song is fidelity fiduciary bank sung by dick van dyke david tomlinson and others and I think this sequence is what gave me some of my anarchist tendencies. 
don't tell Michael what to do with his money, let, let alone take it from him. And I gave it a 5 out of 10. Also, I didn't realize that Mr. Dawes Sr. was played by Dick Van Dyke until this view, and they really did a fantastic job on his makeup. He really did look like an old man. Um, it did, like You couldn't even tell where the wig was and everything like that. They, I think they did a fantastic job on his makeup. When Michael loudly protests, the other customers suddenly panic and start a bank run that forces it to suspend business. In the resulting chaos, Jane and Michael flee in fear, wandering into the slums of the East End and become lost. Fortunately, they literally run into Bert, currently employed as a chimney sweep. He takes them uh, safely home while explaining that the incident at the bank does not mean George hates them but rather it is a sign of the fact that he is that he has preoccupying problems of his own. And we have the song here, Chim Chim Cheree, performed several times with different lyrics throughout the film. This is the first one by Dick Van Dyke. And I wrote that it is another iconic song from the movie, 7.5 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I'll give it to you this one. I actually, this is probably one of my favorite songs from this. Okay. Upon arrival at the Banks' house, a departing Winifred asks Bert to watch Jane and Michael until she gets home as it's Mary's day off, where he ends up sweeping the chimney while they watch. I love, too, how he's supposed to go to the mayor's house to sweep his chimney, and he's like, oh, the mayor's not going to be happy about this. And she's just like, cheerio, like on her way. Um, I, I just found that a little funny. Mary arrives back to caution them about the hazards of that activity. However, the group is sucked up the chimney to the roof. Bert and Mary follow to retrieve them. Taking advantage of the situation, they lead a military-style tour of the rooftops of London that concludes with a joyful, energetic dance with Bert's chimney sweep colleagues as they demonstrate their acrobatic skills to the music of Step in Time. So here we have two songs. The first is Chim Chim Cheree Reprisal, performed by Dick Van Dyke with Julie Andrews. And this actually is the version that won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, and I gave it an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10? I, I like Chim Okay. Next, we have Step in Time, uh, performed by Dick Van Dyke. And I wrote that it is a typical, a typical entertaining musical number for the time period, having a big dance number uh, accompanying it. But the lyrics are lackluster, so I gave it a 5 out of 10. And personally, I feel like the dancing started to go on a little too long. I actually give it a 6 out of 10. I do agree that the dancing went on too long, but yeah. I, I was amused enough by it. Okay. And, like, I know this song from, like, beyond, like, I've heard it before, so. Step in twine, step in twine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm diddly, I'm diddly, I'm diddly, I'm diddly. <laughs> um, exactly. No more, or the mouse will come for us and sue us for copyright. <laughs> A volley of fireworks from the Banks' energetic neighbor, Admiral Boom, sends the group back down the chimney into the house. George arrives, which I love how uh, Bert can just like golf club uh, the fireworks back at the admiral in the in the scene george arrives home forcing mary and bert to conclude the festivities he then receives a phone call from work from work ordering him to return immediately to disciplinary action as he gathers his strength to face his superiors bert points out while he does need to make a living his offspring's childhood will come and go in the blink of an eye and as a father he needs to be there for them while he can and we have the song, A Man Has Dreams, sung by David Tomlinson and Dick Van Dyke. And this is a slower uh, paced rendition of, of the music from The Life I Lead, which incorporates a, modif a modified version of A Spoonful of Sugar. 
and I wrote down that I feel like this is, or I feel that this song is the heart of the film. This is where George Banks starts to change and becomes the father that Jane and Michael need. And it actually choked me up watching it this time, and I gave it a 10 out of 10. You already know I hate What, Banks, a 2 so. out of 10? 1 out of 10? What do you, what do you 5 get? out of 10. Okay, all right. At least we're really halfway bad, there. Like... Right. You know, we, we need to get you like a heart transplant or something. <laughs> I don't know. Or, you know, you have to go to Whoville. You already, and have... We talked about this in the car. You already know why I don't. Well, yeah. we'll get there. We'll all get right. there at the end. So... After Bert leaves, a despondent Michael comes and gives the tuppence, the tuppence he refused to give Mr. Dawes Sr. earlier that day, in hopes that it'll make everything all right. And I wrote that this actually brought a tear to my eye. Perhaps I'm getting soft as I get older. As a child, I identified with Jane and Michael and thought that George was a jerk until the end of the movie where he suddenly just became silly. As an adult, I now see the growth and development of George's character. And a somber and thoughtful George proceeds to the bank, where he is fired in the most humiliating way possible, for causing the first run on the bank since nineteen or excuse me, since 1773. And we have the song Feed the Birds, Tuppence a Bag. It's an orchestral and uh, choral reprisal played over George's solitary walk to the bank at night. And I wrote down that I'm I was really feeling the emotional impact of the film at this point, so 8 out of 10. Though, on its own, I don't really think that this rendition has that strong of legs. If it wasn't at this point I don't even think I was yeah. registering that there was music here. Like, oh, okay. I was at that point where I was like, mm, I see where we're going, and, you know. However, after being left at a loss of words, when ordered to give a statement about his dismissal, he realizes the true priorities of life and gleefully uses Mary, Mary's all-purpose word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, to tweak Mr. Dawes Sr. He then tells one of Uncle Albert's jokes and departs to the amazement of his ex-colleagues. Mr. Dawes Sr. mulls over the joke and finally gets it and floats up into the air laughing. And I have a note here saying Mr. Dawes Jr. says that George is as mad as a March Hare it was one of Al Uncle Albert's jokes, the Mad Hatter, ha ha ha, you know. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it actually is not, not that bad of a joke. It's an old joke, like, you know, the one-legged man, or uh, two-legged, or what, man with two wooden legs, his name is Smith, oh, what's the name of the other leg? Like, that's, that's not that bad of a joke. But the next morning, the wind has changed, and to Michael and Jane's sorrow, Mary must depart. However, George, now loving and joyful, reappears after a long night's disappearance with a mended kite uh, for Jane and Michael and the urge to play with his family. And we have the song here, Let's Go Fly a Kite, sung by Jillness Johns, David Tomlinson, Dick Van Dyke, and others. And I wrote down that I'm not going to lie, I actually had a couple tears come out during the song, and I never had that happen before while watching this movie, 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> 7 out of 10. I don't hate it. Okay. Again, I feel this ending isn't quite earned, so... Alright. Winifred also realizes that she's been neglect neglectful of Jane and Michael, and supplies a tail for the kite using one of her suffragette sashes. They all leave the house without a backward glance as Mary watches from a window in one of the lower levels. In the park... With the other kite flyers, George meets Mr. Dawes Jr., who says that his father literally died laughing at the joke. Instead of being mournful, he is delighted that his father died happy 
and rehires George to fill the sudden opening. And the last scene of the film shows Mary taking to the air, where she returns to the clouds with a farewell from Bert. And here we have the song closing credit theme. This includes an instrumental reprise of A Spoonful of Sugar, followed by a choral reprise of Let's Go Fly a Kite. And I wrote that it is a fine way to end the film, and it's a mixture of the different songs from it. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I don't have a score for that. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll say you gave it a zero out of ten. Then <laughs> that's you know. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna go into our overall scores now. Would you like me to go first? So we start with the negative, and you can. Yeah, go ahead. You you can go first. Say what you want to say. Here's the thing. I don't feel like George or even Winifred, to be honest, either of them have any, like, sort of redeeming qualities here or redemption at the end. They didn't earn it. So I get to the end, and I'm just like, cool, great. Mary Poppins did all the work, and honestly, these parents, still gonna be Like, great, he still works at the bank, and she's still gonna do suffragette things. Like, I see no proof here that anything is going to change like nothing was earned at the end like it even feels more so that like i know like it's like oh george walked off in the middle of the night came home and like boom that was it that's it and like that's not how change works like people don't change like that and i didn't like it also again i just don't like musicals so there's a lot of musicals going seen going on every time i was like Oh, for the love of God, do we have to do another reprisal of the same song again? Like, I didn't score a lot of stuff just because I'm like, I... Is this a new song? Like, I don't know who to score it. Like, it's not interesting to me. Okay. So. Well, that's fair to have your opinion that way. I just want to remind the audience if they'd like to, you know, let you know how they feel, you run our Twitter account for our podcast. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, once again, pod, all one word on Twitter.com. Oh, I'm um, sure I'll have some friends yeah, disowning me yeah. for this. Um, but I'm going to go into my overall score. I now. did not give it a score. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Well, I would give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. All right. So it's been a long time since I watched this, mo- this movie last, and I honestly can't remember when it was, but it was certainly when I was still a child. I remember watching it over and over again as a child, but it not really being one of my favorites. It was one of the only ones that my grandparents had on VHS. However, that changed upon this viewing. I fully understand why some say it's the greatest Disney film to be made during Walt's lifetime. I had tears coming down my face at the end when George took the children to go and fly a kite. Uh, Like I said before, maybe I'm getting soft as I get older, but this movie really hit me this time. So I give it a solid 10 out of 10. So we're definitely fighting after this. uh, maybe Bert deserves those I, children more than the parents do. Bert would yeah. make an excellent father. Um, maybe some of your criticism about whether George and Winifred actually change is addressed in Mary Poppins Returns. I'm maybe. sure it is, but if I'm going off of just a singular movie, yeah, it's not earned enough. Okay. And well, and, you know. Also, I will lie. I love Saving Mr. Banks. I've seen that movie many, many times. And having that background prior to seeing Mary Poppins, it's kind of an issue because I'm viewing this from the lens of yeah. this. P.L. Travers would not didn't really want it this way. Yeah, and you know that's historical fact. Saving Mr. Banks does romanticize that a bit, so it's not perfect to the point. But you know, it's hard to overlook for me that like this is not 
yeah, the cartoons yeah. and everything like this. Like, the as, segment I mostly as, remember. Yeah, yeah, as a writer, I don't like that either. Okay. Like, it don't really respect the way it comes out then. Okay, fair enough. Speaking of as a writer and being respected, uh, did you watch the trailer I sent you of the new uh, House, uh, yeah, House of the Dragon trailer that came out? I think um, I did. I saw that mixed with some clips <laughs> of George talking about how much they're consoling him and how much he's actually working on this show. And he's like, it, basically, he said, "We're going to make sure it doesn't turn out the same way Game of Thrones did," <laughs> and that in so many words. But beautiful, yeah, um, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Um, but without anything else to say, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Stiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.